You're listening to the Fooled by the Root podcast. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Heidi Marble. Really happy to be here this afternoon with my beautiful co-host, Amy Hansen, and Patrick Haas. Hopefully I'm saying your name correctly, Patrick. Yes, you are. Okay, fantastic. So Patrick reached out to me, and I wanted to introduce him by actually reading his words Mm -hmm. So Patrick, I'm going to go ahead and read this in your words. This was the message you sent to me. I was adopted in North Carolina in August of 1970. My birth date is August 10, and I was officially adopted in September of 1970. From an early age, I knew I was adopted. My adopted mom was Japanese, and I didn't look at all Japanese, so there was no hiding the fact that I wasn't her son. I never really desired to search for my birth family during my childhood. I was raised in a very good home. I was well taken care of. I think the only thing I wondered about was why. Why did my mom give me up? Was I not good enough? Did she not want me? When I asked my adopted mom about any information she had on my birth mom, she, she told me that her mom, my mom was very young and she had me and could not afford to take care of me and also didn't want me. I would later find out that this was a lie. My adopted mom was very controlling and protective of me and would do just about anything to keep me. I think that's a very powerful, powerful beginning to uh, what we're going to talk about today, Patrick. Thank you so much for being willing to be on and share your story. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Yes. So, so Patrick, I think where I'd like to start is kind of where we started. You're in this situation that's really unique. Can you tell us more about your childhood and how, how this affected you? But maybe just dive yeah. into your journey a little bit of, and build that out for us, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was adopted at six weeks old. Um, I did spend, from what I have been able to find out, I did spend about maybe a week or so in a foster home. And then I was adopted by um, my adopted parents and my, like, a, like you had mentioned, my adopted mom was Japanese. My adopted dad was American. Uh, they, they were older. Uh, so my adopted dad was actually born in 1922 and my adopted mom was born in 1928. Um, yeah, so they were 40, my dad was 47 and my adopted mom was 42 when they adopted me. Um, and they had met in Japan. My dad served in World War II uh, in the Air Force. And so they met uh, in the late 50s in Japan. And then um, they got married and then they moved to North Carolina. That's where my adopted dad was from, was, was Asheville, and um, moved there in 1964. And then they adopted me uh, right after my birth date in 1970. And um, then my adopted dad, he actually passed away when I was four, he had cancer. And so back then, of course, 1970, cancer was, there really wasn't much they could do. So he died actually about three weeks after my fourth birthday. And that's really the only memory that I really have of him is his, his funeral, the night of his funeral. It's, I'll never forget that night. Um, because I was so scared, you know, as a four-year-old boy, um, really just not knowing what was going on and knowing that there was something that wasn't good going on. And so then 
you know, my, my adopted mom. So really it was my adopted mom and I for many years. And, you know, she told me probably around about five, maybe five or six that I was adopted. And like I said, in the, in the letter that you read, there wasn't, you know, I don't look any Japanese, I mean, you know, you can see me through the scheme, but, but for those listening, I, I don't look Japanese at all. <laughs> but um, so there was no hiding that I was not her biological son. Now, having said that, I tell people this all the time. Had I looked even remotely Japanese or remotely close to her, she would have passed me off as hers and probably never told me that I was adopted. Um, that's what I kind of meant when, when I said she was really controlling uh, with that. And then, you know, I growing up, while I knew she was there to, you know, for me and I had a good life and everything, there was this distance between her and I. And a lot of it was, you know, she spoke Japanese and she would talk Japanese to her friends and, and family and this, and this and that. I didn't speak Japanese. So there was a barrier between her and I um, that I never really got to know. And like now, now when I look back and, and I see pictures of her and I, um, you know, it, it's really like, do I really know who this person is? Did I really know who this person was? And, you know, she died in 2004. And, um, you know, it's hard to believe it's been almost 20 years since she's been gone. But when she passed away, you know, I never really started searching for my biological family until after she died. Because the truth is, had I even mentioned that I was trying to search for my adopted family or my, excuse me, my biological family, she'd have never understood. It would have devastated her for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry that you had that loss at such a young age on top of all of the adoption loss. And, and I'm sure it just intensified your adopted mom's connection to you after your father passed. So talk about pressure and yeah. you're a, you're a much nicer man than I am. Cause I, I sought out my biological family while my mom was still alive and it did devastate her. And I think yeah. that's the conundrum that a lot of adopted people are in. It's like, if you don't seek, you, you may not find people that are still alive. It's like, what mm -hmm. do you do? It's almost like you can't win. That's how it feels right. to me in that, yeah. that respect. And so I have all the respect for you for the, for the kindness and the waiting because not me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and, and believe me, it crossed my mind um, many times. And, you know, even after she told me as a young, you know, five, six years old, when she told me I, that I was adopted and I had all these questions, you know, you know, okay, well, if, if, if you're not my real mom, where is my real mom? And I can remember at six, seven, eight years old, being in like the grocery store or the mall and looking at women, you know, looking at moms and saying, well, wait a minute, she, maybe that's my mom. Is that my mom? She looks familiar. You know, she looks similar to me. You know, she has like same eye or something like that. So that was really a struggle, even as, even at that age to really try and understand that this person, while they're taking care of me and providing for me and, and this and that, I, I don't have that connection to them. So that, that was, that was like you had mentioned earlier, 
with my, you know, being adopted and then my, my, my adopted father passing away at such a young age that already like just added to the loss and who's the next person that's going to walk out of my life or leave me behind or something like that. That was something that carried with me for a long time. And even after my adopted mom passed away in 2004, I went through at least a year of, of, you know, counseling and therapy and my wife and I, God bless my wife. Um, my, my wife and I, we nearly divorced after my adopted mom passed away. Cause I was so, I was angry and I was hurt and, you know, I didn't understand, you know, this, all of these things that I was going through and, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough on both her and I for a while. Yeah. And I appreciate you being honest about that because I think so often we don't, talk about the impact that our own turmoil and trauma has on the people that love and care for us. And yes, I think it manifests in so many different ways and yeah. it's very hard to get around it because we're always in a state of protection. You know, how yeah. do we protect our heart and how do we protect? And, and the sad part about that is that a lot of times in, in doing so we're blocking the very love we need to heal but it's, it's difficult. It's really hard to be. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing those intimate details, Patrick. That's just really, really hard. There's so many beautiful parts about your story too, though. And um, yeah, I I don't know, Amy, is there anything you want to interject before I charge into the next segment? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you um, based on your story about, um, going to search later after your um, adopted mother passed, had you had mm-hmm. thoughts of searching um, before? Like, when did that, that I, I think as adoptees, we all want to see what we look like, right? We would love to have a picture, but when did that like yeah. really strong urge for you come out that you wanted to look for your biological mother? Uh, I think it was always in the back of my mind, like okay. just in the back of my mind, it was always there. It's, you know, and, and, but I, as I said, you know, as I said earlier out of, you know, knowing that my adopted mom would okay. never have supported it, never would have understood and would have been devastated. Um, I kept all of that in and that was hard too, because I yeah. wanted, you know, there were times where I really wanted to like, you know, do I have, you know, you know, who do I look like? Well, there's this, and, and it, you know, I'm sure many, you know, you, you've gone through this when you sit in a doctor's office and you're filling out these forms and medical history and you're putting down NA or unknown or something like that. And then, you know, the doctor looks at you and goes, how do you not know all of this information? Well, I'm adopted. Well, why do you not know? I I don't know, (laughs) you know, so it's, you know, we all go through that and I call it humiliation. Um, you know, it really is tough. And I, I, you know, I've told people this too, is that I remember in, I can't remember what grade was grade school. I know, but we had a project to do on our family tree mm-hmm. and all I could do was fill in my adopted mother, my adopted father. And I think maybe, maybe one or two relatives on my adopted father's side of the family. And I turned it in and the teacher was like, this is incomplete. And I said, no, it's, it's complete because this is, you know, and so I had to go through that whole thing. And it's like, you know, you go through that 
you know, no better word to use that shame or that feeling of embarrassment Mm -hmm. that why do I not know this information? So, yeah, I I would say it was it was probably during my teenage years, I started wondering, but then, you know, holding off. Yeah. For just like I said, she 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 never would have understood and it would have devastated her for sure. You're bringing up such a good point, many good points about just how this plays out in regular life. You know, there's just no escaping it, going to the doctor, going to school. And it just feels Mm -hmm. isolating and and shaming, like you said, just to not have that basic information or to not be able to complete a family tree. It's it's really difficult. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It is. So let's get to let's get to the good stuff for a while, Pat. Because there's so much, so much joy in your story as well. As yeah. most of us know, we approach reunion probably. I would say the ma- the vast majority of us ill prepared for yeah. what it entails. I don't know for if sure. we can adequately prepare, but some of us, m- me, were not prepared. <laughs> and so, can you tell us about your journey to find your your biological family. It's just so compelling. And also mm. one of the things that stood out, and I'm just going to give you a hint. So you'll talk about it. I'm just going to say happy birthday. And I think you're going to know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. You're going to get me emotional already. Holy smoke. Um, yeah, so um you know amy kind of touched on it a little bit like what was the catalyst um the first real catalyst um was 2008 um so my wife and i had been trying for quite a few years to to have a child and um she finally got pregnant we were you know older i'll just put it that way um, but, you know, got, by God's grace, we got, you know, we, 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 she got pregnant. And I remember uh, the day my son was born, and he actually just a few days ago turned 15, uh, which is really hard to believe. Um, but I remember sitting in the hospital after he was born, and I looked at him, and I looked at my wife, and I said, do you realize that this is the first time in my life at 30, almost 38 years old at the time. This is the first time in my life that I'm staring someone in the face, that I'm looking at someone that I share blood with. And it just hit me just like a, you know, it's just, just like a punch in the gut that I'm 38 years old. This is the first time I'm looking at someone that I share blood with. And at that moment, that was like the first seed to say, I've got to find my birth family. I've got to. You know, I, I, um, I joined the, I was in the Navy. So I was in the Navy for 26 years. I joined the Navy at 23. It was the best decision I ever made because I cleaned up my life. I got, you know, got going in the right direction. And I actually made, you know, I, I have friends now that are like family through that 26 years. I made friends that are now like family to me. It's like a second family, but anyway, you know, with moving and, and your moving every three years and you're in a new place and sometimes you're overseas, it's hard to really take, you really get serious about searching. And so you fast forward to 2015 and I was stationed in Virginia 
And, you know, I'm almost 45 at that time. And I'm like, you know, I, I have to do this. I've got to get serious about this. And it just so happened that I was reading these articles about people that were adoptees that were finding their birth families through Facebook. I'm like, hmm, I wonder. So <laughs> I went on Facebook and I like I found a adoptee group for adoptees from North Carolina. And um, I put in my you know birth date. I put in uh, the county that I was born in, just some basic stuff. I think it was probably 30 minutes. And 30 minutes later, I got an instant message on Facebook. Here's your birth mom's name. Boom. Um, yeah, that was. And, and, and what I found out later on was that it was pretty much process of elimination. You know, that, I was as Asheville at that time. I'm, I don't know. You guys probably know now. Asheville's a huge tourist town beautiful part of the country people go there all the time it's known for like craft beer and all this kind of you know all this great stuff but in 1970 it was a small town small country town between charlotte and nashville that's really what it was and it and it, you know so i was the only baby boy born on august 10th that did not get a name so that's how they were able to so process of elimination. That's how they figured out who my birth mom was and how, you know, so just kind of putting, you know, doing a little, uh, you know, investigative work or whatever. So, um, I, you know, I had my birth mom's name and then like maybe 45 minutes later, I get another instant message with a picture of my birth mom from a wedding announcement in 1972, I want to say. So it was the first time I'm like, well, I'm definitely seeing some resemblances, you know, between me and my mom. Okay. This is okay. This is, this looks like this could be the, the, could be her. Well then fast forward like another half hour, hour, I get another Facebook message and it's a link to my maternal aunt's Facebook page. And so I went to her Facebook page and she was, it was pretty open. And there happened to be an email address on there. So I clicked, you know, I got the email address. I composed like, I wouldn't even say it was paragraphs. It was probably like three to four little short blurbs starting off with, I'm not a stalker. I'm not a scam artist. <laughs> you know, all these things, you know, cause you're, this is like, you're coming in totally. You don't, they don't know you. So I put this letter together and, and, or this email together and i that night, I read it to my wife probably four, five, six times. And then I was like, okay, I said, you do understand once I press send on this, we're on this ride and we have no idea where it's going, how many curves, how many ups and downs. I mean, this is it. We're, we're, we're on our way. And she's like, I'm supportive. You know, I'm right behind you and, you know, go for it, do it. You know, she was incredibly supportive. And so I sent the email off. And it was probably about 30 minutes later, I get an email back from my aunt, from my maternal aunt. And she's like, yeah, it's possible. I was, you know, her younger sister. And I, but I do remember her going away. I, I remember her going away for a while. Okay. And then, you know, she kind of told me some news that was a little bit, you know, not, dev you know, it was a little sad, but she told me that my birth mom had had a massive stroke a few years prior mm -hmm. to this and that she was in a nursing home. 
and that, you know, it was, you know, so I, that was kind of like, oh, okay, but at least she's there. At least she's, she's alive and there's, there's still a possibility. But then my maternal aunt said, you know, I checked out your Facebook page and she said, you, you bear a very striking resemblance, resemblance to um, her daughter, which would be my sister. And she's like, you guys look like twins. You guys look, you know, you, you look like you guys, you could be twins. And I actually have the picture um, with me. I, I have it on my computer. Um, so maybe before we leave, I can show it to you. Because when my wife saw the picture, when we, when my sister and I first met, um, she looked at that picture. She said, yeah, you, you guys don't need a DNA test. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so my maternal aunt said, look, I'm going to get some information. I'll get back to you. And it was probably about a week. Uh, and she called me and she's like, well, here's what I know. And this, and so she went through this whole thing. She said, you know, my sister, um, my birth mom's name is Judy. Um, she said, Judy was very young when she had you. My parents, um, were not very supportive of, you know, obviously they were very upset. And the birth father was not in the picture. And so this was North Carolina, 1970. You can understand the, the climate, the cultural mm -hmm. climate at that time. So they sent her, they sent my mom to a home for unwed mothers uh, in Asheville. And that's where she had me. She was there until she had me. And then she never talked about it. Her, her parents came and picked her up uh, at the at the home for unwed mothers, drove her back to her hometown, which was like four or five hours away. And they never spoke about it again. Like my birth mom, my, my mom never told anybody about this um, until, you know, I began searching for her. And um, so uh, I met my maternal aunt first. Uh, that was 2000, uh, Father's Day weekend, 2015. Is when I met my maternal aunt and um, it was, it, she was so nice and just really opened up her arms to me. And she's like, we're so glad that you didn't give up. You were so happy that you did not quit. You didn't give up. And um, her and her husband, they, they invited me over for like a father's day brunch. Cause it, it just, this is, and I, I'm sorry to like keep going like back and putting pieces together. Cause I keep forgetting things. So um, I was a musician in the Navy band. Uh, that's, that was my job. So, you know, grew up as a musician. Uh, and so um, I, I joined the Navy to be a musician and that's what I did for 26 years. And so it just so happened, this is how I believe God had his hand in all of this, is that that weekend, Father's Day weekend, 2015, I had a work trip to Spartanburg, South Carolina, which was where my maternal aunt lives in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wow. I mean, you just, you can't it's like, that was how, you know, this, this was like, there's no other way to explain this anyway. So yeah, she had us, so she had me over for father's day brunch. And there's all this family around and da, da, da. And everybody's like so nice and they're welcoming, you know, this and that. And so um, the, the one part that I didn't expect was totally unexpected was, you know, my, Growing up with a Japanese mom and adopt, you know, my adopted mom being Japanese, she was Buddhist. So I was raised as a Buddhist for 
40 years, you know? Well, then, you know, I never was like, we get to this Father's Day lunch and they're going to pray over the meal. And I didn't think it, it was no big deal. Okay, yeah, that's great. So I'm quiet and everything. And just as he's like, he's talking about, you know, thank you, you know, thank you, Lord, for bringing Patrick into our lives. We're so grateful that you brought him into our lives. Watch him, guide him, protect him, all these things. And at the, as that's happening, I can't put into words what, what I was feeling at that moment, but it was just this closeness. I felt like God was just wrapping his arms around me at that time and saying, it's going to be okay. I've got you through this. And I didn't understand it at that time, but I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to keep going on this. But so then after I met my maternal aunt and her family, the next day I went and met my sister and it was, you know, she and I connected. We had talked on the phone. The first time we talked on the phone, we talked on the phone for like three and a half hours, just talking about our lives and everything. And so when we first met, it was like, we had been like, we, you know, 45 years was, you know, or 40 years or cause we're, she was, I was born August, 1970. Her birthday is January, 1972. So we're a little less than two years apart in age. And so we're pretty close. And I just know like when we first started talking and when we first met, we're extremely close. Like that's the main, you know, my maternal aunt, I'm close to her. And then my sister, I'm really close to her. And it's just been, that was great. But then there was this little piece missing. And that was, I still got to finish this. I haven't met my birth mom yet. And my sister and I had talked a lot about, okay, when do you want to meet? When can we meet? My, the one thing my sister was worried about was how my mom would take it, you know, with her condition, being in a nursing home, how would she, how would she take it? You know, would it be tough on her and everything else? So we, we just waited. And I remember was right after mother's day of 2016. So I had been on this ride. I'd been on this journey for about a year together you know, meeting, you know, getting back to, you know, re, uh, this reunion. And so um, right after Mother's Day weekend, 2016, my, my sister, you know, she texted me and she's like, okay, I think we need to get a weekend plan. A, let's plan a weekend to where you can come down and meet mom. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was, I was like, okay. And then my wife and I, we went, my wife, myself, and my son, we traveled down to um, North Carolina. Um, we actually we were in South Carolina, but right over the border from North Carolina. And um, so we went down there, you know, and, and the next day we were going to go to my mom's nursing home to meet her. And but my wife and son didn't come because I didn't know how this would go. You know, you're, you're unsure how this is all going to mm -hmm. go. Right. So I just said, okay, well, you guys, you know, go ahead and do whatever you want to do, go shopping, go do whatever. And so my sister and I and her husband, we went to the nursing home and I waited out in the waiting room or in the lobby. And my sister went in with her husband and her, her, my mom's husband uh, is with her. And I just got to say this really quick about him. Uh, he is the salt of the earth because he goes, so he is there with her every day. 
And when I say every day, I mean every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year from the time the nursing home opens at around eight until the time that they give my mom medication to help her go to sleep, which is usually around 630 or seven, he's there and he sits by her bedside the entire time and talks to her. What he is just, I've never, it's like, that's the picture of, to me, that's like a picture of love that the love that they have with each other. He's just, he's amazing. Uh, but he was there of course. And so my sister goes in and she starts talking to my mom about, Hey, you know, mom, do you remember, you know, giving up a child 19, you know, Asheville, North Carolina, it's 1970. And, and initially my mom was like, no, uh, no, I don't. And then, you know, my sister told my mom, she's like, mom, mama, it's okay. I know, you know, and, and, and then she said, he's looking for you. His name is Patrick and he's been looking for you. He's been searching for you for the last, you know, several years and he wants to meet you and he's here out in the, out in the lobby. And so she just, my sister said, she just took this deep breath and went, yes, I did. And then, so my sister comes out and I'm like nervous and I'm like, my heart's just going boom, 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 boom. And uh, so I go in and I'm like, I see, I saw my mom for the first time and, um, yeah, it was, um, it was just a moment that I'll never forget. And, uh, so she, she looks at me and she's just, she starts telling me, she goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't have a choice. And I looked at her and I said, it's okay. You don't need to apologize for anything. I said, God had his plan and this was his plan and I'm here now and we know, you know, we're here together. It's okay. And she told me later on, she, you know, cause I was there for about two, two and a half hours. I was there and we visited and we had a wonderful visit. And she told me during that time, she said, you know, she said, I didn't know whether I had a boy or a girl. They didn't tell me. They, I, she said, I, had you and they did what they did to me and they took you away and they never told me whether I had a boy or a girl. And I just thought when I heard that, I'm like, how cruel, how cruel that this, that we were as a society at that time to treat women that way. It's just, it's, you know, and I'm sure you guys have read the, read the book, the girls who went away. I read that Mm -hmm. book and I just, I just couldn't believe it. It was just so, it's just like, how could we treat people that way? How did we, as a society, how did we do that? Um, but so, you know, my mom is an incredibly strong woman. Um, she just, she's a fighter. And I think that's where I get a little bit of my fighting spirits sometimes about not giving up um, is from her. But um, so, after, you know, we were getting ready to leave and, um, you know, my mom stops me or, you know, she's like, you know, she says, Patrick. And um, I said, yeah. And she goes, grandson. Cause I, you know, she knew I had, I told her I had a, had a son. She says, 
I want to see my grandson. I said, oh, you want to see your grandson, huh? She said, yes. I said, okay, well, we'll plan another trip and we'll make it, we'll make a trip so you can meet your grandson. And so we did that about maybe a month, month and a half later, my, we did another trip down there and she got to meet my wife and she got to meet my son and she keeps my, my son's picture in her, in her room, like his school picture. It's up in her room on one of her, on one of her cardboard, you know, like a billboard. Um, but, um, so again, then, you know, my birthday was in August. So this was June of 2016. So then, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, I guess, but like the one thing that I had wanted, like for growing up was, uh, you know, I, I'd really want my birth mom to call me on my birthday. And so I didn't expect anything, you know, here's my, here's August 10th, 2016. I am not expecting, she has my number because we, we talked every day. We still talk every day. I call her every day for talk for about five, 10 minutes on the phone. And, you know, she tells me she loves me. I tell her I love her. But that day, August 10th, 2016, I mean, I had just met her two months ago. I didn't expect anything. So about two o'clock, two 30 in the afternoon, my phone rings and I see it's her. And I pick up the phone. I say, hello. And she, the first words out of her mouth, happy birthday, Patrick. And I, I just, I was like, I just started crying because I'm like, this is, I said, you know, mom, I've been waiting 46 years to hear you say that. <laughs> and um, so she just started laughing. She starts laughing, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it, it was such a beautiful time and, and that reunion and my, uh, her husband had told me um, like a couple of times he's told me in conversations that he and I've had. He said, you know, there would have been times before she found you, before you found her, she said, he said, there were times where she would just be staring off, you know, she'd be in bed, she'd be watching television or something. And she just had this far off look in her, in her eyes, just looking off into space. And he would, she said, oftentimes I look at her and go, Judy, what you thinking about? Nothing. And he said, I am convinced that she was thinking about you. She was thinking about that child that she had to give up for adoption. And, you know, my sister says the same thing. She's like, I think that she has always been wanting to, to have you or to find you, but she just didn't know how to go about doing it. And, you know, there was a picture that, that my sister and I and um, her, we took together. So the three of us, and you can just see, you know, it's hard for my mom to smile, you know, and everything, but you can see the joy in her eyes that her kids are there. She's got her family back and you can just see that that piece of her heart that was missing, there's that little piece. It's now complete. And, and my sister and her, you know, her dad has said the same thing that, that it's now complete. So yeah, it, it's, it was just a, an amazing journey. And um, I know like, you know, it, it's been ups and downs. It, it, there were times it was frustrating, especially at the beginning, um, you know, trying to get information and things like that. But uh, so, yeah, it was, that's, that's how everything came together. It's, you know, 
totally, I, I firmly believe, you know, uh, as a, as a Christ follower, I firmly believe that God had his hand in every piece of this and was putting it all together the, the way that he wanted it to come together. Oh gosh, Patrick, I just, my heart was like smiling and aching. I'm sure you're feeling the same way, Amy. It was just like thinking about her having to hold that secret and how many first moms, especially of that era, that's the shame and not even knowing what Mm. sex your baby is and all of those so cruel. And then at that point in her life and in your life, for all of you to find each other, it's Mm -hmm. just like, for me, that's just, that's what it's all about. That's what all the sacrifice. Yeah, no, amazing. And, you know, I thought what you said too, and I think my birth mom said the same thing is she was so worried I would be angry and upset with her and mad at her. And I think we all are compassionate and we realize what they went through at that time. There was not another choice. They were not given a choice, um, being so young and society. So, um, you know, I think they all want to search. A lot of them do, right? But they don't know mm-hmm. how to go about it and they don't want to interfere in our lives. And I know my birth mom was just so thrilled that I came knocking at the door, mm-hmm. which I'm sure your yeah. family as well. And I know you said in your submission that um, meeting your sister and your mom had changed your life in ways you never imagined. So like, where, yeah. like, what are you feeling now that they've been in your life for so long? Yeah, they, they are, it's like... I guess the best way to put it is now, like, it's, it's like, we've always been a family. It's like, we've always been together. Like those, um, like those 45 years, 40 some odd years, just they're all washed away. Um, you know, for me, it was just a healing and realizing that, you know, it was, you know, not only just finding my birth family, but finding, finding God, finding the Lord, uh, that was an unexpected part of all of this. I never thought that that would happen, but I have to just say, and, and, and I know that it's not this case for everybody, but I can't say enough how much my wife played a role in this. Like my wife prayed about it. My wife was so supportive of everything that I was doing, like even through the rough times and the struggle and this and that. And, you know, my adopted mom and, 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 you know, I said this, I think maybe part of it was alluded to in the letter, but, or in the submission, you know, my adopted mom was very protective of me. Um, So much so that any other, any other woman that came into my life, uh, she was, let's just say she wasn't very nice to them. She made it difficult for them and she made it difficult for my wife. And, you know, I now after she passed away and I went through all the things I did and then to find out different things that my adopted mom kept from me, you know, little details that she kept from me about, you know, certain things about my birth family or my birth mom. And then, you know, different documents that I would find that like, wait a minute, she didn't tell me this. How do I not know? How did I not know this? And 
you know, my stepdad and I call him my stepdad, but he's, you know, now he's really my, my dad. I mean, I consider him my dad. Um, um, he had a challenging relationship with my adopted mom as well. And they, they split up and I went through, you know, so it was that pain of people walking out of my life and the one person, well, outside of God, the one person that has never walked out of my life is my wife. You know, my wife has been there for me and I can't stress that enough, just how much, how supportive she has been uh, from, from finding and encouraging me. And like I said, I know not everybody has that or, or finds that, but I, I was very, I was just very blessed to, to have that. But um, yeah, I went through, a, I had, you know, it's just one more thing about with my adopted mom. Um, as I said earlier, I view her differently now. I view her in a different light. And like, I look at pictures of her and I from back when I was, you know, young, eight, nine, 10. And I often look at those pictures and I just like, I, I don't, I don't know this person. You know, I feel differently. It's like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's a very, it's a very complex mixed emotion. Like she was there for me. She protected me. She took care of me. But at the same time, you know, she, she was a hard person to get to know. And she put up a lot of walls around people. And, you know, I had to go through a process of forgiving her. I really did. I went through like a year to two years of forgiving her because after I found all this stuff out, I got very angry at her. But it's hard to get angry at someone that's already passed away. You know, what do you do? <laughs> so, you know, I had to go through that process, that healing of uh, forgiving her. And, you know, at that point now. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that, Patrick, because I think that's one thing as we're starting to get down to the last part of the interview is about the messaging we want to get out to our audience. And you said that there were things you'd like to say to encourage our audience but before we do that, I'm, I'm really curious about the healing part because I think mm. we're all, I think it's a lifetime journey yep. and it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I think, oh, I've got this all figured out and I'm feeling good. <laughs> and then I'll be darned if something just doesn't trigger me. And it's usually like a TV yeah. show with the family for some reason. Yeah. And, and then I'm yeah. back to square one again. And yeah. It's like, oh boy, here we go. I just think it's helpful for adopted people to share the commonalities in their journey and also some of the things that are working so that we can, Hey, maybe that's another tool that I can use that that adopted person mm -hmm. is using. So maybe just tell us a little bit more about, I know you said therapy, but, mm -hmm. and obviously your faith is very important to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and you said you, it's funny that you mentioned the, the triggers, you'll see a TV show or something. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, you too, but this is us was mm -hmm. a, I don't know. I love that show. It was it. a, tr yeah, the, 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 especially the moment I, I don't, and I, and I know I'm, I'm not trying to take the show off track. I'm really not. Um, but the episode where Randall found out the secrets that his, that his adopted mom was keeping from him. Oh my word. I, that right. after that episode, I was done for like three days. I, yeah. I was, I just like, yeah. you know, so, uh, but any, you know, the, the, what I, what I have told and, and I've, you know, questions from other adoptees and, you know, how did you start? What did you do? And, and, 
I always say, you know, everybody's journey is different. First of all, you know, what I went through is, is, you know, I was blessed to have positive interactions with everybody along the way. Um, I know that that's not the case for everybody. I know that. Um, I've talked with a few adoptees here recently where they've had struggles with their birth, finding their birth mom, and then their adopted mom is still alive and their adopted mother is creating issues, creating problems and things like that. And like, you know, I don't really have an answer for that. Just, I know that it's your, you know, you're the one, you were the one that was adopted. This is your journey. Figure out how you want to do this and how you want to make this go the best that it can. Um, you know, it's hard. It, it is a, like I said, you, you're on this ride and you don't know where it's going to turn, where it's going to go up, where it's going to go down, but don't give up. I, I, I just say that to, to people, don't give up. You know, I ran into roadblocks. I mean, my goodness, I, you know, I was adopted in North Carolina, born in North Carolina. That's one of the most archaic states for adoptees to try mm-hmm. to do anything. Um, you know, I couldn't get any answers uh, from the state of North Carolina and, you know, don't have access to my original birth certificate and this and that, whatever, but I wouldn't give up. You know, it was that, mm-hmm. that, that deep burning desire to want to find answers. And I think we're all as adoptees, we're entitled. I feel we're entitled to those answers. We deserve answers. And we have all these questions of where did I come from? You know, like I said earlier in the, in the letter, why, wh- why was I adopted? You know, why didn't, you know, and it wasn't that my birth mom didn't want me. It's that she didn't in, in her case, it was not something that she, it wasn't her choice. It wasn't up to mm-hmm. her. Decisions were made for her by other people. So I would just encourage the, the other adoptees out there to just, you know, keep, keep going on the journey. Don't give up. Uh, even if you don't find the answers that you want, or you're getting no, or, you know, whatever, just keep going, just keep, don't mm-hmm. give up, keep, keep going. Cause yeah, for me, it was my faith. It was, you know, prayers and you know, faith in God and knowing that his plan was there, you know, he's got his plan for me and I'm going to trust in that. And even if I don't understand it, I'm still going to keep trusting in it and keep going. So yeah, that would be my message. Just don't give up. I think that's a great message. Amy, are there any other questions that you had that we didn't cover for Patrick? No, I just appreciate what you just said, Patrick, because you know, it is about us. It is our journey and, um, you have to do what's important to you and continue to, you know, move forward. And not that we're intentionally trying to hurt anybody, but those are answers that as adoptees, we should have, we should have. And, um, Absolutely. so yeah, I appreciate you saying that because some people will just give up because they don't want to hurt someone or how someone will react. So it's important to, you know, look within and um, do what you need to do. Well, and it's so, it's so soul crushing too, Patrick. I don't know how you feel about this, but um, I just got a a letter from, uh, or an email from a friend of my mom's who had said, basically, why did you do what you did to her Mm. by finding And it hurt so badly and I felt Mm. so guilty 
And it's trying mm-hmm. to remind ourselves that we matter too in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that sometimes the judgment comes as you're being selfish and ungrateful. And boy, did mm-hmm. that come raging back in my heart. And I knew that she was, she was coming from a place of love and protection of my mother because she was right. there for my mother during her mm-hmm. suffering. But yeah. I just felt like about this big yeah. because I, I did this horrible thing. And then it just, it was just mm-hmm. really painful. So we are put in a very difficult position. And, and quite honestly, I don't think we're really used to considering our feelings as valuable and important. Oh, um, yeah. Agree I don't know what a thousand percent. about that, Patrick. No, I, I agree a thousand percent. And, and I will also add that one thing that has also helped me um, really feel like I'm making a difference in, for other adoptees is getting involved in, um, you know, a lot of these states now are trying to change the mm-hmm. uh, uh, birth, you know, original birth certificate laws or something like that. Um, I've tried in North Carolina, I've run into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall, but I've been involved in um, Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut, and a couple other states where I've joined like their petition or whatever you want to call it to speak to their legis- their state legislatures. I've submitted my story, submitted the impact that all of this has had on me. And I know in Massachusetts, they now have full access to their original birth certificates. Uh, and I think the same thing in Connecticut. It's so really that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that has made me feel like I'm part of a, something bigger than myself. Like, yes, I have my journey. I have my story. But I feel like in some small way, I'm helping other adoptees get to their story, you know, it, it, for their journey. And so I, can, I would also encourage other adult adoptees that, you know, if you found yours or for, even if you haven't or you're running into challenges, you know, try to find other states or your state or whatever and really try and find a way that you can get involved in that because, it is, there's so many of them and you run into these, like I said, these old archaic ways of thinking that, you know, well, you're not entitled to that. Well, says who? <laughs> you right. know, that was, and, and what I've also told some of these legislators is that you do understand that this is, you know, like 2022, 2023, you have so many areas where these adoptees can find this stuff out, you know, DNA, ancestry, DNA, one, two, three, me, all these places. Would you rather, because these secrets, what you thought was a secret 50 years ago, it's not really going to be a secret if you can't change. And so, you know, I'm hoping and I pray that that more states jump on board that. But I I would just add that too. That's like you're saying, it's like we're, you know, this, we feel, we're made to feel like, you know, well, you're, you're not entitled to this or you're, you know how dare you go and, you know, don't you realize what this is doing to your, you know, adopted mom and they loved you and this and that. It's like, I understand that, but this is about me. This is about my healing, about my journey. And like, you know, you said, Amy, it's like, we all have our story and, you know, we have a right to tell that story. So just, yeah. Patrick, it's so, so powerful. And it's really all hands on deck. And I'm so sorry. My two horrible Huskies have found their way in the house. And they're making all sorts of in the background. You know, Patrick, before we end, 
I didn't realize that you were a musician. Hey, do you mind yeah. back there? Um, so tell, can you, can you just tell us what you play? And like, I'm just oh, curious my, my goodness. Yeah. So um, I uh, play saxophone and clarinet. Um, oh my I, gosh. You know, and uh, yeah, so uh, I, you know, I didn't even realize I started out in, you know, like most, most people, I started out in grade school, elementary school. And, um, you know, I went through high school, went through college, and then, you know, uh, found this Navy thing um, <laughs> that I could make money uh, playing music and going around the world. And that was like, you know, I'm like, here's this, you know, yeah, yeah, here's, you know, I'm like this little, I'm like this country boy from North Carolina. And, you know, I'm standing at the foothills of the Himalayan mountains, uh, you know, getting ready to play for, you know, because music is a universal language. And it's like, you know, I travel around the world. And it's like, the temptations is, you know, the same reaction in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, as it is in New York City, they just go crazy you know, they, they love it. So yeah, I, I still play. Um, matter of fact, my son, my son's following my footsteps. He, uh, he plays clarinet as well. So, uh, he's in, yeah, he's, he's in the high school marching band and yeah, it was, I got a little emotional when I saw him in his high school marching band uniform, uh, this, cause he's a freshman this year when they started doing marching band this year, I was looking at that picture and it's like, it was like a, you know, I went back in time, you know, to, to me as a freshman in high school with a marching band uniform. And I just, man, man, how this history repeats itself. Here we go. You know, but he, he, and now he's learning how to play saxophone. So it's like, now it's uh -huh. really like, like his, like his father. So That's yeah. So, he, so great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm carrying on the, you know, he's carrying on the tradition. So <laughs> I love that Patrick. And I probably, you know, I'm sure Amy feels the same way when you find, something where you can just completely be immersed in it and that's all you're thinking about and I think when you're yeah. doing something creative like music I can't even imagine how much that's healed you and helped you just to have that oh. as you express and to oh yeah provide for your family with it yeah oh you're yeah. you're a thousand percent right it's been there's been moments where I've even on this adoption journey where I've been like really down and really upset and you know, I, I play or I, I you know, pick up my instrument and I'll play and it'll be like, this is therapy. This is what I need. This is my therapy. And um, yeah, so for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely that's, right. That's so great, Patrick. Well, is there anything we didn't cover? Anything that you wanted to say or any any other last thoughts before we sign off? No, I, 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 I think we got everything. Um, <laughs> I know I probably talked way too much, but uh, I nope. really appreciate this. I really, really appreciate this opportunity. And, and I thank you both so much for doing this podcast and, and really, uh, you know, uh, giving this space for, uh, you know, for, for adoptees to come in and talk and share their stories and, and things like that. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's helpful. It means a lot. Well, it's been absolutely my honor and my happiness to be able to be in this sacred space with other people who are willing to share their stories. And I think the heart behind everybody that comes on the show is not only to express their own experience, but the desire to help each other. It feels so connecting. And I think we need that connection so much and we're able for to sure. provide for each other and just to yeah, feel supported and, 
and Amy, thank you so much for volunteering your time and here today. I know this meant a lot to you too, to be here with Patrick. So absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Thank you both so, so much. Okay. Keep playing those instruments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll do for sure. We'll do. Mm-hmm.